This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody, we have had an England Test Match Squad announcement today and uh, well, it's fair to say it's it's brought about a little bit of um, controversy, certainly a, a certain amount of discussion on social media um, late on this afternoon as we've gotten wind of the fact that there were going to be some quite major changes. Um, Mark, we had a little bit of a chat this morning on WhatsApp um, and you said you thought it was going to be a pretty boring squad and I said they'll probably just stick with the same old faces. Well, actually, eight changes from the team that was in, in the Ashes um, and a little bit more... Um, a little bit more than we expected. Shall I just run through the squad for those that haven't actually heard this yet? If you've been living under a stone, Joe Root is the uh, captain. Johnny Burstow was at Crawley. Matthew Fisher of Yorkshire is in. Ben Folks of Surrey is in. Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, Alex Lees of Durham comes in. Saki Mahmood of Lancashire comes in. Craig Overton, Matthew Parkinson of Lancashire is in. Ollie Pope of Surrey. Um, Ollie Robinson of Sussex. Ben Stokes of Durham. Chris Wokes of Warwickshire. And Mark Wood of Durham. Um, slightly more... Maybe slightly more uh, sort of tinkering than we were anticipating, Mark. Uh, yes, just a little bit, and obviously the huge talking point is um, Rod and Anderson being left out. Um, Pope managing to keep his place, and uh, Milan being left out. But I think obviously the huge talking point is Rod and Anderson not being in the side. Um, I'll I'll be straight up with you in terms of that. I think um, the squad looks like. A, a combination of kind of an A tour and some senior players. I think England again uh, are being guilty of not playing what's in front of them. They've won once in the West Indies in 50 years. Uh, I can understand them leaving one abroad and Anderson out, but to have Overton and Wokes in there and both Anderson and Broad out is quite absurd in my opinion. I can understand them wanting to rebuild for the future, but we've got an England side that's low on confidence, that's not winning. 
that you've got a captain who's hanging on by a thread, who said he's been defined by he's going to be defined by the ashes, and then he loses, and then he says he wants a reboot, and now he's getting rid of his two Premier bowlers, and they've won in the West Indies for once in the last fifty years. I think England are being quite arrogant in this selection. Uh, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them. Uh, this idea that we're going to throw things in and, you know, again, it's going back to what we've had before, not playing what's in front of you. England aren't good enough to look two or three years hence. They have to start winning matches. And to leave both those teams out is, quite frankly, ridiculous. Are they being left? I mean, I know Andrew Strauss has said that it will be up to the new director of cricket when he comes in, um, which looks like it's going to be Andrew Strauss, it has to be said. <laughs> Strangely enough, he's going to pass it on to himself. Um, it's going to be up to them, Ollie, to uh, decide whether Stuart Broad or Jimmy Anderson um, comes back into the uh, the setup. But when you get to a certain age and you're Jimmy Anderson and you're Stuart Broad, surely it's either finish them or play them because you haven't got too long to kind of mess them about with, have you? You know, you when you get to 38, 39 or whatever Jimmy is these days, you haven't got too many test matches left. No, it seems to be fighting this for about the last seven or eight years, really. Everyone talk about his retirement. And I saw some stats that since in the last four years, he's taken 100 plus wickets, the average of less than 23. He seems to be improving all the time. He says he's fitter, although he's picked up more and more niggles. I, I just... And Stuart Broad had a better Ashes. You know, he had one of those mercurial, you know, good spells. And the Ashes, he took a few wickets. I also think that the danger is you, if you cut them off now and you don't have any people that are ready made to take over, where, where do you, you lose all that knowledge? You lose all that experience. You lose all that game managing situation, how to manage the ball, the preparation. They lose, they lose that professionalism. Because, you know, from reports of some of the other England players, they, they may not be as professional as the, the generation of Anderson and Broad. So you lose all of that and you lose that senior, seniority. And also, if you read between the lines, you know, it, it doesn't take a, a genius to see that some of the comments by Broad and Anderson in Australia about the batters not getting enough runs after Root had said some things about the bowlers and, and not bowling well enough. It doesn't, it doesn't sit well and it does strike a little bit of disharmony and maybe they're hurrying them into retirement. I think, Mark, uh, I mean, Ollie's used the same expression, but reading in between the lines, this might be the end for Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson. It doesn't look to me like this decision has been made A, lightly, and B, with a view to bringing them back for me, I think this could be the end of them. Yeah, it's the kind of, you know, the kind of macho kind of, yeah, we've lost the Ashes, let's make a big statement. And let's make a big statement get, by getting rid of our two bowlers that got most 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 wickets. Let's keep the captain there, who said he was going to be defined by the Ashes. Let's keep the captain there on the fifth day at Lords, who messed it up. Let's keep that captain there, who now says... Let's forget about the ashes. Let's keep in there the weak link, the weak personality. But let's get let's get the two achievers out who have been achieving, who've got big personalities. But they've I got think, to go at some stage, Mark, haven't they? I mean, they're not going to be they're not going to be playing when they're eighty five. Yeah, on, on pure performance, on pure performance, if you look at Anderson's record over the last two or three years, it's as good as any seen bowler in the world. And if you're looking at picking players on performance rather than on the strange idea that. Uh, we've got a plan for some mythical future. As I've just said, England aren't good enough to do that. They have to play what's in front of them. And as Ollie said, to lose all that experience out the side, I can understand one of them not going on this tour. I've said that before. But for two of them, I think he'll come back and bite them on the backside. And they're being very disrespectful to the West Indies. 
Well, we've only won once in the West Indies in the last 54 years. I've seen a lot of people, including... in the last 50-odd years. In, in person has said, Leesy in, best bit of news this year. Um, we'll talk about Alex Lees in just a second. And then on the basis of the Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson comments, he was, he's basically said, horse, I say it's a he, um, horses for courses, or she has said, play them in England. Um, and then he said, wrong. They will both play next summer. West Indies are one of the poorest teams in the world, so blooding some new players. Yeah. That is really wrong. That is really yeah, wrong. Say, because we said, we said that last time we went to the West Indies, yeah? And we got bowled out for, for, mm. for whatever it was, yeah? We say that every time we've been to the West Indies the last 15 years. We don't win there. So, you know, so, and, you know, let's feel, look at West Indies bowling attack. It's not bad. They've got Roach. They've got Ozari Joseph. They've got um, Shannon Gabriel, and they've got another young pace man. I can't remember his last name now. Who is taking some wickets recently? And they've got a bad pace attack, and they're going to be all bowling against those same England batters. I mean, nothing much has changed. A lot of inexperienced batters. Who used, used to say we're not going to get bowled out for 160 again? And what will be spicy pitches? And then who, who have we got? Who have we got coming in? Matt Fisher, Mahmood, Craig Overton. We'll talk about all them in a second. We'll talk about all them in a second, Mark. Um, it's, I've just muted him because um, he just carries on talking. Um, Chris Taylor um, is the person sending those messages. Um, ex of Yorkshire and Derbyshire, so hello, CT. Um, he's asking the question here, Ollie, is this the end of Anderson and Broad? As I've just suggested there, is this the end of them as players for England or do you see them coming back? Because they haven't got, to, as we said, they haven't got too much scope to come back, have they? Because at some stage you're going to retire. Well, you think that the, the two greatest fast bowlers in English post-war history, apart from maybe without the exception of Truman, you'd think they would go out with a bit more of a bang than a dance group, just non-selection for uh, a tour to... West that, that, would be, that would be my complaint. I, I saw a comment, Ollie, on Twitter saying it's, it's a shame to think that Jimmy Anderson's last act in Test cricket might be to have played that defensive shot to get the draw in the fourth test match rather than pick up the winning wicket in a series at the Oval or something. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. And also, uh, like we talked about earlier, I don't I don't think they, they thought ahead. It, it seems really strange selection policy. We talk about age and we talk about it a lot when it comes to Broad and Anderson. Um, Chris Wokes is, is 33 at the end of this month. And he's got an abysmal a bowling record away from home. I don't see what he does to, to get himself in the side. I, I'd take his passport off him. I'd, I'd basically keep <laughs> him in England, take his passport off him, and he can't he can't play because every time he goes overseas, he's a catastrophe. When he plays at home, he's he's fantastic, and it's yeah, you know, it makes no sense to yeah. When we're talking of having some of these players in, the likes of Craig Overton, the likes of Chris Wokes, they seem to be. Certainly in overseas conditions, just a little bit ordinary for me, Mark. I've got nothing against Matthew Fisher coming in because he's, he's a very good bowler. I've got nothing against Frank Becky Mahmood. He's a very good bowler. And and trying some of the other lads around the county scene, fine. No problem with that at all. But we could have, t- I agree with you, I think you'd take one of Jordan Anderson and you'd leave behind one of Overton and Wokes. That's my big thing here. They've taken Chris Wokes and Craig Overton and left Broaden Anderson out. That to me seems ridiculous. I have no, I have no problem with Saqib Mahmood going. Obviously, he's, he's, he's bowled well. We'll see how he goes in Test cricket. Matt Fisher, I know he's got a big reputation. He's been injured that much. I haven't seen much of him, so I don't know. But I have no issue with those types of guys going. You know, because yeah, there needs to be some planning for the future. There needs to be some kind of recognition of what's going to happen. 
Uh, but my, my point is you need to play what's in front of you still. And therefore, you need, I would have taken Anderson because he's got a great record in the West Indies. And let's not forget that. You need one of those players there for those people to learn from. And Wokes and Overton simply have not got the pedigree. So, you know, and it's what we said in the summer. I think I said something similar about Hamid when he came back in. We're doing it again, aren't we? We're bringing people in. Oh, you know, he's, he's got the talent. He's got this, he's got that. And I said, you, we'll have a few tests. If he goes to Australia, get ruined, and then bang, he's out. You know, with these bowlers, they go over there, a lot of it. How many test wickets have they got between them abroad? Virtually none. They go over there, they play against all right, an average West Indies side, but they're playing in home conditions and they'll make sure they produce the pitches and they get they get steamrolling, 2-0, 2-1, 3-0, whatever, they lose. You know, again, we're going to have the questions against those same young players. And again, the confidence comes back into it. And again, it's about how England are planning for that succession planning. Succession planning doesn't mean you have two kings or two queens and then one day they're there and suddenly they're not. You know, succession planning has to be in stages. And any organisation in the world, any successful organisation in the world, has a very specific succession planning policy. England don't seem to have any policy, apart from this mythical thing that we are planning for the future. And that's very disrespectful for the sides that they're actually playing. We had it against New Zealand last year. We've got it against the West Indies now. We have this thing about, you know, we've got a plan for Australia and everything's going to be fine. Play what's in front of you. Yes, blood blood young talents, but have a structure there. And Jimmy Anderson, he's played 20 years. He's passionate about the game. You know, I spoke to Jimmy. First time I spoke to Jimmy Anderson was 2001, just after he made his debut. He was angry then. He was angry then that he didn't get enough wickets in the uh, in an innings against Hampshire, I think it was. He's been angry every time I spoke to him for the last 20 years. He loves playing cricket. He wants to play every game. I've heard him say, Mark, that he never actually takes a test cap for granted and he's always he thinking any, about... He never takes yeah, but, anything for granted. He, but, just, he was even worried about... On that basis, he can't complain then, can he? Because he's not got picked. Huh? On that really, basis... He will complain because this 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 deselection is not based on performance. It's based on some mythical belief that A, we can beat the West Indies easily because they're poor... And B, we've got these young players, Matt Fisher, who's always injured with CBS, see how it goes, yeah. Sack, Sack Mahmood, who had a reasonable year last year for Lancashire, got a couple of five wicket innings and all the rest of it, so yeah, give him a go. But yeah, we'll leave somebody out who's got 600 wickets, a great, great record in the West Indies, so much knowledge to pass on. But actually, the guys who we're passing on be Craig Orbison and uh, Chris Wells. Yeah, we'll do that. And uh, this, to me, looks like a bit of a kind of Strauss coming in Match up, yeah, let's get rid yeah, we just said reboot, yeah, they're all going, and uh, Joe, yeah, you, you, you're you the captain, but I'm telling you what to do now, mate, and Joe's saying, yeah, okay, we'll do that, and, uh, you know, Colin was saying, well, I've just got the job in trim, and Strauss is saying, this is the squad, guys, it's a reboot, I'm the top man here at the moment, the new guy will come in, I'll say that Jimmy and, Jimmy and Broad, I just, you know, might play again, but we all know well and good, they're not going to play again, so forget I'll it. I'll tell you what, Ollie, we've um, we've got a fired up Mark Hilton tonight, haven't we? He's, he's, he's on his long run up. tonight. I'm fired up because it's poor management. 
cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now down in this set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance, compact design, advanced engineering, ceramic blade, waterproof. And it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers, revivers, preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. Ollie, what Mark's just saying there about Andrew Strauss kind of re- reeling into town and being the, the big I am. I saw Knuckles tweet earlier, Knuckle Pandey tweeted, that maybe at the moment Andrew Strauss has got a little bit of credit in the bank. He, he did a decent job for White Bull, obviously, last time. He's obviously been synonymous with um, getting the, the 2019 World Cup. So he comes into the job at the moment with a little bit of, well, no baggage really, does he? He comes in with a good reputation. If you're going to do something and you're going to do something that might be unpopular, do it now, get it out of the way before further down the line when it might cost you your job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he comes in, we're pretty much rock bottom. We, the worst ever test year probably any team, let alone England team's ever had. Lost more games, morale at an all-time low, uh, lots of injuries. Strauss comes in, like Mark was saying, Hopefully he stopped talking now. I think he has, but like, um, uh, it I, I, just Strauss comes in with a little bit of credit. Uh, I, I think possibly too much and riding on the back of that a little bit too much. But also because of the failures that went before him and the failures to plan, it's a bit of a free hit for him. So if they get beat there, he'll say, "Well, we went in a different direction. We're planning for the future," and he'll they could potentially hide behind that whilst making a big statement. But. I, so I think what he's done there is he's shown all the players that he's bigger than anyone in that side. There's no big egos there. There's no big, what you've done before doesn't count for anything, which I think is right in some extent, but then you're going to lose so much. It's a bit of a, it's, yeah, I think it's a very risky call, but also one that he has almost a safety net of saying, well, we're, we're going to move on from this now. We're moving on from Broad and Anderson. And, and he can also say that we haven't won there for 54 years, so he was expecting us to win anyway. He can kind of go back on the history, can't he, a little bit. There's a couple of comments come in. Um, Seal, S-E-A-L-E, is the young fastballer Mark was referring to, according to one of our Facebook users. Um, and he's also got a bit of criticism here for you, Mark. He says, um, you were talking about the West Indies creating pitches that suit their own bowlers. I think more and more those pitches over there are quite dead. They actually they're actually yeah. quite slow and low, and not the not the kind of traditional Caribbean pitches that we thought, you know, back in the seventies and eighties that suited their bowlers then. So they have changed a little bit over over time. Yeah. Um, I, uh, the just looking at who they've taken out. I mean, we're kind of making this podcast very much at the moment about who isn't playing and who wasn't picked. But just going through the list of the players that have been left out from that Ashes squad. No surprise, really. I mean, I saw a few people picking Sam Billings in their draft squads, but I don't think Sam Billings has got any any claims, really, after playing the last test match. He came in very much as a, a, as a kind of fill-in rather than as a prospective candidate to take it long term. So looking at those, the others that have um, missed out, we've got Broad and Anderson. Let's go through these uh, actually one by one. 
should they be going or should they be staying? Yes to going, no to stay, no to being left at home. No for me. I wouldn't have taken Stuart Broad. Ollie. Like I said earlier, him or Anderson. I, I, I class him as one. It'd be like and abroad or whatever you want to call it as a grouping together. So you take one of them or you take both and they don't play together. So I would take, I would say take them. Mark. No, I wouldn't have taken Broad. I'd have taken Anderson. So you'd have taken Anderson. I'd have taken Anderson as well. I'd have taken one of and he'd have been Anderson for me. Some things we've mentioned. Joss Butler, you know my answer to that. I'd have kept him out the last three years. Ollie. I think he deserves another crack change. You know that. I know deep down, I know you think that once he's healed from that injury, he's straight back in there. No, I don't I don't think so. I think they go a different way for the moment. He's he's had a long time. I think it comes to a natural end from that injury at the end of that tour. It, that cycle of him playing probably comes to an end. Mark. Yeah, I agree. I think that might well be the last red ball game. Just put the white play, actually. Do you think it's time to give him the um, the white ball captaincy now? Owen Morgan's been sort of floundering a little bit, hasn't he, in, in the last yeah. 18 months? For me, I'd just say to Josh Butler, white ball cricket, go on, mate, rule it. You're the captain now. Take it over and make it your team. Agree? Agree? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. David Milan. Now, I mean, with David, I think... I can see why they might want to move on from him. He's 34. He's not pulled up any trees in Test cricket. I do think he's rather unlucky that the two major series he's played have both been really hard series in Australia. He hasn't really had an easy series to uh, show what he can do. But I I guess if you were going to put a gun to my head, it would probably be no leave David at home. But I think he could probably be a little bit grumbly about it. Ollie? Yeah, I remember when he was initially dropped that Strauss said that he would prefer to have him on the bouncier tracks of places like South Africa and Australia. Like we said earlier, it's probably going to be low, bit of traditional, sort of low, flattish wickets. It probably won't suit his game. So I can see why he's been left out and they have to go another way with the batting at the moment. But either way, he could feel hard done by. I don't think he's done that much wrong, but I can see why they've left him out. Mark? Um, I think it's a very odd one with Milan, isn't it? Um, he's never struck me as a player... They've had huge amounts of confidence in. I think that's affected some somehow his his approach to the game. He's never come across as being totally in love with the game at times. I don't know him personally or anything. That's just the impression I get at times. I think he's been slightly unlucky. I mean, for God's sake, he was the only one who got any runs in with with, with Root, really. And I know he looked well at seeing the last test, but I think he's been slightly unlucky and I would have taken him because I just I just think, you know, I would have taken him, yeah. Hasib Hamid is another one being left behind and I think that's the right call as well. I, I was really looking forward to him trying trying again in Australia. Again, a tough tour for him against very good new ball bowling. I mean, you're gonna it was it was a proper test for him and he failed it, didn't he really, I'm afraid. So um a chance for him to regroup. He can come again, I'm sure, but he needs to kind of sort himself out a little bit. A- agreement, gents. Yeah, I'm afraid so. I hope Hash. I hope. Well, wish Hash all the best, and I hope he can reboot himself. But yeah, Don Bess is being left behind as well. I mean, Don Bess has done nothing right. He's done nothing wrong, has he? he hasn't played. He's probably they're just thinking we'll go home, get prepared for Yorkshire season, and uh, get another season under your belt and get a bit. Because I mean, he's still quite a young man. Spinners don't mature until a little bit later. Probably a good call for Don Bess, Ollie. Yeah, I, well, I think so. I think. We've, I know I've talked about it and you've talked about it on here. They might be flat wickets. They may want to have a bit more of a wrist spinner or a mystery spinner in there. I do think that he's been mistreated. He's gone on two tours. Well, he's been messed around. He's been 12th man a lot. He's not really been played. Hasn't really been given an opportunity to, to show himself again. So not saying that he deserved to be there. But again, 
mistreated Australia. They took him all the way down there and it, it didn't get a sniff of the game. Yeah, I always think Don Best has been slightly... I know he's been mistreated, but I also think he's been overrated, to be honest with you. And I think he was promoted. You know, he had an initial good spurt. But I think there are better spin bowlers than him. It's, you know, you have to be a very good off-spinner to get wickets in test cricket. He's got, to, um, he's got to kick on now, hasn't he? He's got to kick on and, and, and show what he can do. He's a better spin bowler, potentially. So. Um, Rory Burns, to me, looked all at sea. He, you, know, you can say that he succeeded at times. He scored test match centuries. He scored far more runs in test match cricket than I will ever do. And you can only tip your hat for that. But he doesn't seem to be going anywhere for me. He's, he seems to have kind of like plateaued at an average of maybe high 20s or 30. And... He was in the in the ashes. He was all over the shop, wasn't he? His footwork was was absolutely absent without leave. Um, so I think it's probably a good time for Rory Burns to return to Surrey and see what he can do with himself. So for me, correct decision, Ollie. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but we don't have exactly a, a vast amount queuing up. There's no, the next cab on the rank, you know, what's coming in is it seems to be Alex Lee's now. So uh, it's a difficult one. We've got about four people to choose from. We just seem to go around in the merry-go-round of when to select them. So, yeah, it, it's about right time for him. And also, he sounded like he really wasn't enjoying his cricket from what you hear about when he was out in Australia, you know. And some of the and that, that was the other there. thing with um, with Josh yeah. Butler as well, wasn't it? I I mean, you, looked, you looked at Rory Burns towards the end. You looked at Josh Butler towards the end. They looked like shells of, of men, didn't they? They didn't look like they were enjoying it at all. So... Um, it's probably just good, you know, in terms of removing the likes of Hasib Hamid, Rory Burns and Josh Butler from the firing line of Test cricket looks like a, a decent call for me. Has Rory burned his bridges, Mark? Rory will not play Test cricket again. So, yes. Well, there's, there's the there's the full stop on Rory Burns' career. Um, good luck to all of those guys, anyway, in the future, whatever they do. Um, hopefully there's uh, a long career ahead of all of those. You are listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. I mean, we've, we've got Lankies and we've got York, a Yorkie on here um, talking about this. And we've got um, reasons to be cheerful, I guess, in the north of England with uh, both counties getting uh, representation. I'm going to keep Alex Lees as a Yorkie, by the way, for this oh. the purposes of this. I know he's gone to Durham, but I know I knew Leesy when he was um, coming through at Yorkshire. He's a, he's a terrific young man. So is <laughs> Matthew Fisher as well. You know, in terms of... I know I'm biased and I know you can't pick people on niceness, but these are two of the nicest young men that I knew at Yorkshire when they were coming through. Lizzie's a top lad. Matthew Fish is a very nice guy as well. As Mark hinted at earlier, he's had no end of problems. It's been like one step forward, two steps back with injury. And it's been really good over the last sort of two seasons to see him get, actually get out on the park on a regular basis and start to show what he can do. Because there's no doubt he's a good bowler. And he's never been able to really string performances together and put a season after season together. He's been in and around the Lions team. When I was out in the Caribbean last time, he was uh, part of the Lions setup out there. And I think it's a good time for him. I think he can come in and actually, you know, I don't think he necessarily starts. We'll talk about the first 11 later, but I don't think he's necessarily going to get a starting berth in the in the 11. But if he gets called upon, he'll do a job. And, and I think Lee starts, though, looking at the way they've taken the, they've shaped the batting there. Unless they get um, somebody like Dan Lawrence or, or whatever to go up and open, it's got to be Lees because there's only really two openers, two bona fide openers in that squad. So it looks like Alex Lees will get three test matches in the Caribbean. Um, and from a Lancashire point of view, gents, the uh, inclusion of Saki Mahmood, who I know we've all been um, suggesting for a while getting a, a Red Bull chance. He should have had a Red Bull chance last summer 
and got him got him five days under his belt at the very least before the Ashes and taking him there as well. He, he should have been in that Ashes squad for me. Um, and obviously, Matt Parkinson, who again, we've all been talking about for a long time now. He was out there in India, he was out there in Sri Lanka, never got his opportunities. Finally, he might do in the Caribbean. Ollie, I, I think, I mean, I'll let you talk about the, the Lankies more than the Yorkies there, but Saqib and, and Matt are of good, good inclusions for me. Yeah, Saki Mahmood seems to have been in and around the squad for a while now. It definitely deserves his chance for just for the longevity and staying fit, unlike our most of our other bowlers. So I, I think he could be really useful out there. The ball will probably start to reverse. He, he can reverse swing the ball. And I think it's an opportunity to see what he can do. I think also you compare what he's done in the white ball. He's been played almost in the wrong in the wrong way, almost like a finisher, and that's not his strength in white ball. And he's, he's so hopefully he'll have a bit of change of fortune and play red ball, which a lot of people have thought that it'd be the strongest forte. But with Matt Parkinson, um, it seems that almost a complete turnaround left out of white ball squads recently. People saying that he's bowling too slowly, doesn't have uh, a googly or a wrongen, yet now he's in the test team and ready to develop in, in well, test squad for West Indies in a tour that he possibly will get quite a lot of bowling because of that ability because of the, actually the turning wickets and, and the fact he could do that. And I think it's a really good opportunity for him. And also with the state of the squad, I think it's, again, it's a shot to nothing. It, it, that is a long-term selection. If you go with him, you have to stick with him. You can't just bring him in and out like they did with Rashid for a long period of time as a wrist spinner. You've got to stick with him and they've got to really invest into him. I, I mentioned, I don't think maybe Matt Fisher starts, but I think Alex Lees will. Do you think that both of the Lancashire lads will start in the team or do you think... One of them's more likely than the other. I think Saqib will start. I think he's 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 in front of the Matt Fisher, obviously. Um, at the moment, because obviously he's been in around the squad longer and he deserves to start. Depends on the pitches in terms of Matt Parkinson, doesn't it? They can be a bit low and slow in the West Indies, as one of the um, previous comments we made. But, you know, England don't often go into test matches, very, very rarely, with two front-line spinners. So... I mean, yeah. you've given you've given Joe Root big raps um, in our messages and on this today so far, Mark. You're a big admirer of his captaincy and his leadership, I know. But one of the things that England have been bereft of um, in terms of Joe Root, Alistair Cook, and beyond before that is people that can captain a leg spinner. I mean, Adil Rashid is the biggest waste of the Test team that there has ever been because he could have played five-day cricket for the last 10 years for England. He's a, he was good enough, for, assuming he was his shoulder would have um, held, held out. He could have taken a lot of wickets for me in Test cricket, but nobody knew how to captain him because captaining a leg spinner is a different thing to captaining in a slow left arm or an off spinner. Um, well, it is for England captains. I think it's complicated with Rashid, isn't it? Because part of his career overlapped with Swan a little bit, and then he had a bit of a lull in his career for a while, and he, he was batting at five, and then he came into the. So, it's a bit more of a complex... Well, with, with Rash, they did a little bit with Rash, what they'd done with Matt Parkinson. They took him on two tours, yeah. two, two successive winters carrying the drinks, never got a game, then threw him in on a track that didn't really suit him, and then they never really seemed to know what to do with they him. They didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. And um, I think the difference, actually, if I'm thinking about Rashid, I think, obviously, Rashid's at the moment is in white ball cricket. We don't know enough about him in red ball over the last two years. But you'd have to say, obviously, he's a better bowler than Matt Parkinson at the moment. But what I would say at this stage of his career, from what I've seen and what I remember of Rashid, is that Matt Parkinson um, has surprised me with the amount of control he has in his bowling for a leg spinner. So I, he bowled a lot of overs in championship cricket last year. And 
you know, he didn't go for many runs and he still spun the ball and he was still attacking. And that's what I liked about him. So in that respect, although you can never compare him with people like Shane Warne or Abdul Qadir or those great bowlers, but that's what those great leg spinners had. They had attacking ability and the ability to control. Now, what I saw from Matt Parkinson last year, apart from in one game at Taunton at the end of the year where he got smacked around a bit, was that ability. And that was the first year last year where he actually played consistent first-class cricket. Because, again, Lancashire poorly played him. I think he played all first-class games in four years. But he did well, didn't he? He bowled a lot of overs as well. He bowled a lot of overs and he gained the trust of Villas. And, he gained the, and, and they, they played it. You've got to show trust in these guys. And obviously the wickets we play on at Old Trafford are more conducive to spin bowlers anyway. Um, some of the wickets we played away from home we actually did play into his hands a little bit as well. And he grew as a bowler as the year went on. So I think Matt Parkinson is an excellent bowler. I'm not interested in with this idea about paces. He, didn't, he doesn't bowl. I've seen Shane Warne bowl as slowly as him. He doesn't, you know, the paces. I think Matt Parkinson has all the skills to get wickets in test match cricket. I think Saqib Mahmood, actually, is a far better red ball bowler at the moment, in my opinion, than he is a white ball bowler. Okay, mm. uh, That's my opinion, and I think he, he has bowled well in white ball cricket, but he can go the distance, and I don't think anyone's worked out his proper role, as Ollie was saying there. But he's a very good bowler in red ball cricket because he has a lot of skills. And Matt Parkinson also has a lot of skills, and Saqib also has good control. He doesn't leap runs uh, profusely. And that's what you need. You need control from your bowlers, but you also need them to be attacking. And that's not an easy thing to do. And that's why James Anderson is a fabulous bowler, Stuart Broads has been, because he can combine those two things. And if you look at all the best bowlers in the world, historically, they have generally been able to do that. You know, Wazim Akram, Cordy Walsh, Glenn McGrath, you know, they've all got low kind of runs per over record, but all attacking. So great pick for Parkinson. Whether he'll play or not depends on how brave Mr. Collingwood and Root well, This is what I was going to ask you. Who starts to leach your Parkinson? Matt Parkinson is a better bowler than Joel, uh, Joel, Jack Leach. Yes, he's a better bowler than Jack Leach. He's got more of a future in Test Match cricket than Jack Leach. So therefore, if you pick these young players as this kind of so-called development squad for the West Indies, which it looks kind of like it is, then... Really, I know Leach has had a bad time and he should have played at Adelaide and this, that and the other. But actually, Parkinson's a better bowler, in my opinion. So if you're Joe Root out there and you're a strong captain and you want to win test matches, Joe, not not, don't think, oh, I've got a pet Jack, he'll be upset. Say, sorry, Jack, I'm picking back this my man. Show some strength, show some leadership and don't be sat in a corner scratching your chin and waiting for somebody else to make the decision, Joe. I'm, I'm turning him off. He's slagging off my mate Joe Root. Ollie, the um, <laughs> he's been doing it all day as well. He's absolutely absolutely on his soapbox today about Joe Root. Joe Root's, I, I think you misrepresent him. I think he's got a bit more about him. He's got a bit of Sheffield steel in him as a Rooty. Ollie, would you? Which one of the, the two spinners would you play? Um, would you play Leach or uh, or Parkinson? If only one was to play. So if if you were confident, in, if you wanted to win a game, you'd bowl Matt Parkinson. You would go with that. I think. But you only go with him if, if Ben Stokes is fully fit and he can bowl those over. So you've got the ability to possibly have, to be able to leak a few runs, but still attack and have a backup bowler. You, you, I think potentially, because you don't know how he's going to respond in the test matches, it's a totally different environment. We've had players freeze before, it is difficult. 
I'd go with Parkinson because you want to win games and he's, he's from Lancashire. I suspect England being England will go the opposite way and they'll go Leach because he bats a little bit at nine and block, block an eight. That's, that's, their, that's their mindset. You, you you can't pick him because he comes from Lancashire. That's not you part of the pro. He comes from Lancashire. I think that's the only way. I, I think that's the strongest thing that the team would be. But... It's going to be a very hard podcast for me. This because I'm going to have to mute both of you at this rate. My name is Jacob, and I sent the Badger a message, and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. One thing that they can't do with any of the players we've mentioned coming in is be impatient with them. You know, there may be a bad session for, if Matt Fisher gets a go, it might be a bad session with the ball. Same with Matt Parkinson, Saki Mahmood as well. I mean, we've seen, Saki's got a little bit about him. He's come back after some poor white ball spells and shown that he's got a little bit about him. You know, if Alex Lees gets a, a pair in the first test match you know what social media is like it'll be oh he's absolutely crap as well let's get rid of him let's bring in somebody else you've got to give these players a little bit of trust and a little bit of um and boost them up and keep them in there haven't you sure i mean we've said that on numerous occasions and i'd always i'd always say you give a player one game too many than one game too less i've always said that you know and alex lees is in now okay he's had a reason i mean i'm not going to criticize or Pick him up, he's in, they picked him. To be honest with you, I haven't really seen him since he's left Yorkshire because he's played mostly in Durham in the second division. So I haven't really seen much of him. So I'm not going to make pass too much comment on him. But yeah, you give him you give him you give him a go. What I would say about those types of things you just said there, James, just going back to the previous debate, it's much easier for people to have bad sessions when they've got some experience around them, like an Anderson in the side or a Milan. And they've taken all that away. They've taken, you know, in the bowling department, they've taken all that away. So if those bowlers do struggle over there, they've nowhere to go. They've nowhere to hide. You haven't got a senior man who can come up there and block an end up, who can come out and get a couple of wickets. It's what Ollie was saying before. You've taken away that layer of experience. So, if you know, if Saqib got injured and Matt Fisher ended up playing two test matches, for example, and he came out with two wickets for 200 runs... You know, where does that leave the guy? You haven't got an Anderson abroad there. And this is my point about dropping them both and having Wokes and Overton in the side. I've got no issue with dropping one of them. My issue is they pick Wokes and Overton, who are very similar bowlers, and they've got no records abroad. It's ludicrous. I, I actually thought that they would probably see the end. I, th- I thought it's probably time to do something a little bit different, but I thought they might just see Broad and Anderson through to the end by just rotating them through and just playing them every other game or something like that, particularly at home. Um, so you always had one guy, as you were saying, Mark, is one guy with the experience there that could lead the attack and have some youngsters around them all the time to come through. Um, this is my 11 from the squad that was picked. 16-man squad was picked. Um, Zach Crawley and Alex Lees to open. That just seems, from the squad, seems to be the obvious where they're going to go. Um, Joe Root at number three for me, and I've seen a couple of articles now suggesting that that's what they're going to do in the Caribbean. His Root's going to go up one and go in at number three. And as we've said a lot over the last two years, he might as well bat three anyway. I know his record at number four is better than at three, but he was batting at number three when he was younger and finding his feet a little bit more. He's, ba- he's bat- 
you know, he's got most of his runs at four. Of course he has, but that's been in more recent years when he was, he's been batting a bit better. So I think Root can handle number three, no problem at all. He's the best batsman England have got. You could put him at anywhere in that order and he'd do the better, better job than anybody else in that order because he's the best batsman England have. I'd have Dan Lawrence at number four above Ollie Pope because I think Ollie Pope's had a few chances and hasn't really taken them. I think Ollie Pope's actually quite lucky to be on the trip. I would personally have given Ollie, Ollie Pope a little bit of a pat on the back and said, go away, lads, go and have a season with Surrey and come back stronger, work your game out, because I think he looks a little bit of a mess at times in the ashes. Dan Lawrence didn't get his chance. He bats at number four for Essex. He can bat at number four in this order for me. I've got Johnny Bairstow at number five as an out-and-out batsman. I've got Ben Stokes at number six, because for me, he is a better number six than a number five. And the thing about Ben Stokes is he is shown through his career, he's probably the best in the England team of batting with the tail. So if you're at six and all of a sudden there's a couple of wickets for the other end, you can see the tail through. Ben Stokes is very good at that. Ben Folks comes in at number seven. It's great to see him finally being the number one spinner in an England squad. Been waiting for that for some time. Ollie Robinson, Mark Wood for me as bowlers. Jack Leach as, would be my choice to start as the spinner. Um, and Saki Mahmood at number 11. Any, anybody there that I've left out that you you think would be... I mean, I've, I guess I've left out Overton, I've left out Fisher, I've left out Wokes, I've left out Pope, and I have left out one other. Who was the other one? Parkinson. So memorable, aren't these picks? Parkinson. Yeah, Parkinson. I've Parkinson. Left out. Sorry, you meant Parky out, yeah. Um, I've got no objection. I mean, the only, the only change I would make there was Parkinson for Leach. But you just and I'm, not, I'm not that bothered about that, to be honest. It, it, that's not a selection that I would cry about either way, really. Yeah, so we've got we've got quite an inexperienced bowler attack there. I'll just go back to what I said. And then we've got people on the bench who aren't, have got no wickets either. But, you know, I keep parking on about the same thing, gets boring. But um, I made a difference that I'd have Parkinson for each. I mean, the danger is, I mean, I, I read that. Um, that bowling attack out, as you said, I mean, you got Mark Wood in there, who was terrific. He was the only one that came back from the Ashes with his reputation enhanced, didn't he? Because he was superb. Um, I, I got a fear that it will be, instead of the team I've just read out, it will be an Overton or a Wokes in for Saki Mahmood, and they will start with the experienced guys who are who are kind of, in, in terms of reputation, in terms of test appearance. Uh, which, which begs the question, why have you not picked Anderson or Brock? So we've got 600 and 500 wickets. It's just crazy. It's just- it, it, seems, it seems, Mark, though, doesn't it, that they kind of got caught between two stalls with this squad. You you either say, right, we're going to, well, you're not going to phrase it this way in the press release, but we're going to treat West Indies with complete disrespect and go there with a, a Lions trip with, with um, Joe Root and Ben Stokes kind of seeing what these lads can do. Or you pick a full-length side full strength side with an Anderson in it and, and you go the the full hog with the most experienced players. They, they kind of seem to be halfway between the two of, of them. I, I think the strange thing is what when you look back, what would Wokes and what, what would Prato Overton's role be in the team? It's not a new ball bowler and he's not uh, a number seven at test. So you know, the closest thing we have to, in that sort of mould is possibly Ben Stokes, but now Cam Green is coming to Australia and that is now a benchmark for that sort of role. He bats at six, he bowls accurately, bowls good pace. That the only thing they got in common is height. That's it. Ability-wise, Cam Green's there. I mean, Cam Green's probably about two meters tall. But I think that's what that's what the benchmark is. If if that's so, Craig Overton doesn't get near the test team. And I think for Chris Wokes does a similar role. He's better bowler and probably a better bat. Uh, 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 that's probably show that. But 
you've got to choose one of them. What's the point of taking them on that tour if you're not going to pick them? And if you pick them both together, like Mark said, you take Anderson and Broad, but and like everything's doing the team, everything is juggled and put in to make compensate for a weak batting lineup. They don't they they, they change bowling around and they start picking bowlers who can bat a bit instead of bowlers who take wickets, which is is just completely wrong. It's muddled. It's it's so a real shame, Ollie, isn't it, that Chris Wokes can't bowl overseas, or I mean, as the stats suggest, because he is the perfect number eight in the order, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you look at other teams around the world. He would, you know, with his with his home form, he'd get into nearly every team batting at eight and, and bowling first change or opening bowler. But I think the problem we have is away from home, he doesn't get that swing. He doesn't have particular bounce. He's accurate, but after a while, he tends to go around and sort of tends to be easily picked off, which is strange because. Bowling with the white cookerbra around the world, he's absolutely fantastic. You know, in ODIs and in T20, every time I've seen him, doesn't matter. Just in England, he's excellent. It's just he can't get that red ball going for England uh, around the world. And his batting, I've never seen him sort of extraordinarily set the world on light at number eight away from home. He's done some brilliant things at home, and he's, he's been very reliable. And he's got fantastic form. But I, I, I think you, you like you say, you have to either go for horses for courses, which they haven't done. Or you go for the best team, which they haven't done. So they're a halfway house, and and that's with that muddled thinking. And, and where what have they gone for? Well, I think just to add that, I think it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. They need to plan for what's in front of them. Leaving we've we've, we've exhausted the Broad and Anderson debate. I think we've all agreed to a large degree they should have taken one of them. But the other thing I would say about going to the West Indies, having watched some cricket there a long time ago now, is when England come over, they're fired up. Yeah. You know, they normally play test matches in empty stadiums, you know, where there's no atmosphere. You know, they will raise their game when England are there. You know, they're fired up. They've got a colonial past in terms of England. They've got all kind of historical connections um, in terms of in terms of in terms of the past. They always get fired up when England are there. So if England are going to go over there thinking this is going to be an easy ride, they're going to have another thing coming. They just lost the 2020 series there. I know it was a bit of a meaningless series. Even so, they still lost it. West Indies have got a reasonable bowling attack these days. They've got some quite quick bowlers, and you know they've got a, they've got a spinner who can hold hold a situation in in Cornwall. He can he can Cornwall. I can't remember his pronounce his name now, but they've got a spinner there who can actually do Big a whole Big Raheem Cornwall. Raheem, he's he's actually one of my favourite cricketers. He's he would great. not he would not pass. The fat test in England, would he? He would not get in a county size. He's a good lad. He's a good lad, lad, lad Rakeem. And he catches pigeons at slip. So yeah. he showed you and again. he can bat too. He can bat as well. He's he a good player. <laughs> so he's a good player and he kind of breaks the mould. You can, but, you can guarantee it. You guarantee England will have um, West Indies at 43 for five and everybody will be saying, oh, this is so easy. Rakeem and, and Jason Holder will have 300 for the next so weekend. If England are thinking, but my point is, if England are thinking they're going to get an easy ride over there, particularly with this inexperienced side, they're going to have another thing coming. And if they get a couple of, if they have a bad start to the test series with an inexperienced side, with a captain who's low on confidence, you can see one thing happening, the domino effect. So one thing we've overlooked is, so we've just taken it as fact that folks is going to be in the team from now on and keeping. I think it's a really big tour for him. So he's he's going to get peppered. There is there is some sort of the stats or rumours say that he struggles with the short ball. He's going to get a lot of that over there. And I think it's a really big tour for him. Uh, he really needs to get something, uh, get in the team, cement it with a, and I know he's got one before, but uh, another hundred in this comeback. And I, I think that, that would help alleviate. If he gets a run of low scores, again, that position comes under fire. 
I know he, he's, he's a better keeper than Josh Butler, but he wasn't perfect when he kept in India as well. He did miss a couple of chances. So I think that, I, I think it is a big tour. And I think that luckily, he, even if he has a poor one, it might be overshadowed by some of the other selections, depending on how the team goes. Let me just add to what Ollie's saying about folks there. Folks is what we call in horse racing a bit of a talking horse, yeah? You know, he's everyone's favourite, okay? But he hasn't, you know, he missed some chances in India, quite easy chances. His, his record in first-class cricket recently has been very poor. So, yes, give him the chance, but this is this is his chance to show what he can do. Because I think, I think you've got to give him more than West Indies, though, haven't you? You've got to, he's oh, yeah. got to be, he's got to be um, keep, regardless of what happens almost, he's got to be keeping the first test much of the summer as well. Absolutely, but he could he could really. Does this his chance to nail it down with a good tour there, or he could he could start to inc- start to bring in clouds of doubt amongst the selectors and other people if he doesn't get many. So if he, he gets a couple of thirties or forties, he probably the same situation as he is now. He's in the team and he's in there for his keeping and gets some runs. But he's really got to play some important innings going forward. And I think that it, it, it's a good one that he could put some doubters to sleep on this. Dear Andrew Strauss. Please, 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 please. If Ben Folks does nothing, if he drops every chance and he doesn't score a single run and then Joss Butler scores 10 centuries in the IPL, please, 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 please look elsewhere. Joss Butler's a white ball player, not a red ball player. Let him succeed in white ball. Give Ben Folks a chance. Please don't let me still be talking about Joss Butler and Test Cricket in five years' time. Let's move on. I want to finish off with one thing. Um, obviously, whenever squads are picked, we look at who's been selected, we look at who's been left out, but we also need to maybe just cast our eye a little bit further afield about who might have been selected that might be sat at home thinking, ah, I thought I was going to get picked today. I mean, there's the likes of Sam Robson, had a great season at Middlesex last year, could have been selected as, as an opener. I've seen him touted around. Um, my personal choice would have been to take James Vince instead of Ollie Pope. I think Vince has been unlucky. Maybe it's because he's getting a little bit older now, but I think uh, he's somebody that would have done at least as well as Ollie Pope in terms of watching from the dugout or if he got his chance of uh, of, of taking his chance. Um, is there anybody that springs to mind, Ollie, that maybe uh, didn't quite get in? I, th- I, th- I think looking at the Lions tour, Josh Brahan and other, and again, it's another Lancashire player, so I'm selfish and, and choose it before Mark gets the same if he did. But it would have been interesting. I don't think he, he would have been necessarily ready for a test game, but it'd been good to see him included in the squad and go out there as a learning curve and, and mix with those other players. He, he's done the Lions tour. He had a you know a relatively successful one there. Um, I think again, are they going to write off someone like James Bracey? He was brought in. He admits he wasn't ready for it. He could deserve possibly another chance. Even I mean, he can't have as as poor performance as he did. It, it, so maybe those are two that can look. At, they might have got a chance in the squad or be looked at soon. James Bracey reminds me a little bit of Liam Livingston and how Liam Livingston had a chance in white ball cricket for England. Looked like a rabbit in the headlights when he first got selected. Didn't make, didn't take his chance, got written off, came back and the rest is history. He's now seen as being one of the best white ball batsmen in, in world cricket. So hopefully um, James Bracey can kind of have the same path into the test team because I definitely think he's got a future in test cricket, if not, obviously not in this West Indies tour. I mean, one of the, one of the things I was thinking about today as well before I come on to you, Mark, is the... Was this an opportunity as well to maybe, instead of taking 16, yes, I know it's only a three-test series, but uh, and they're quite close together, but it, I, I would have thought there was maybe scope to take 18 or something like that and actually take a couple more 
and uh, you know get them part of the setup and and maybe have a few little kind of um, team building exercises, little inter squad games, net, you know, involve them in the next whatever you want to do with them to try and get them part of a you know people you've identified like I mean Josh Hannon would be a good example or James Bracey would be a good example um, of people you could maybe just extend the squad a little bit just to get them included as you if you're changing tack and you're changing course now's the time to get people on board at the start of that change for me Mark who would you have maybe looked at in terms of not quite making it um, well there's not a huge amount to stand out isn't it I mean Sam Robson got a thousand runs last year but he got 300 of those in one game I think James Brace, he, he got a hundred for the Lions this winter, didn't he? he got yeah. innings. I really like I really like James Bracey. I mean, I mean I've seen him a few. I mean, he can count. I mean, we keep talking about Josh Bohannon, and yeah, I would love to see Josh Bohannon make a test match play. But we keep and this is the positive of where we are with England players. We've got three first class centuries. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> three people first. have talked about Jake Libby, they've talked about um who was the um, other one that just came into my head. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few out there. I mean, Tom Abel of Somerset, who we keep I mean, talking you, about. He's 32. I mean, yeah. I think if you're going to go back, if someone's unlucky, Josh, obviously, I would love to see him in the side. I actually think he's a very good player. But to be talking about parachuting somebody in with three first-class centres, uh, you know, it shows where we are. Probably I'm, not, I'm not trying to compare Josh Bohannon with Sachin Tendulkar. But... I think Tendulkar is a slightly different scenario than Josh Bohannon. Did, did he have more than three first-class centuries when he first played a Test match, though? I can't remember. I'm not quite sure. I saw, I saw Tendulkar's century in 1990 at Old Trafford, actually, when he was 17 or 18. That was, that was, his, that was his first Test century, yeah, wasn't it? First Test century, and he, he looked a different player than Josh Bohannon, believe me. Um, so um, I think James Bracey. Uh, can count and sell slightly unlucky. I, I, I think it has to be said. There, there are times on this podcast where we may, we may be not rude to people, but maybe we criticise them. But I think if Josh Bohannon's watching this or ever sees this, he will uh, understand. You know, I'm talking Sachin Tendulkar, one of the greatest batsmen ever live I, I, I think Josh will understand that I think he will um, thank you very much gentlemen it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, this test tour goes it's not too far away now um, start of March isn't it three test series running through March with England going out to the West Indies where like we say they have not won out in the West Indies in the Caribbean for 54 years and uh, well they've won once in 54 years and uh, it's not the easiest place in the world to go so uh, whoever gets uh, a chance in that first eleven. He's going to earn success, I think. And that's obviously what Test Cricket is all about. Earning success, taking your opportunities and seeing where that takes them. Good luck to everybody included in that England squad. We'll be obviously following that series as it goes through. And Ollie and Mark, thank you very much as always. Thank you. And uh, thanks out there for for listening, everybody. We're approaching episode number 500. And don't forget as well, we are going to be opening the Badger Set of Fame on the 14th of February. So only six days away now, we'll be announcing four people to be inducted into the Badger Set of Fame. And that is to reward people. It's not like the best batsman in the world, the best bowler in the world, whatever else. It is to reward people that we recognise as being bona fide cricket badges that show love for, enthusiasm for cricket, that really kind of seeps through their Twitter feed. You see them interviewed or whatever. You can just see it in their bodies that they love the game. And uh, we will be announcing our four winners, our first inductees into the set of fame on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, the best day in the world to celebrate a love for cricket. Ollie and Mark, thanks again. Thanks everybody out there for watching and listening. And we will see you again very soon indeed.
Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 